when my mom watches this, she's going to immediately call me and tell me that I have to cut it. It's not like we're trying to cure COVID, right? This is the Rower's Choice Podcast. This is Alex Osorto at another Rower's Choice Podcast, the Zoomcast, whatever you want to call this thing. Uh, and I will say this one more time. CJ has got to come up with a damn name for this. But I am with Chris Leonard. And uh, for those of you who do not know Chris Leonard, you're going to get a chance to know him. But he is the head men's coach of Capital Crew, one of the number one ranked crew programs in our virtual erg media competition. And someone who has been east and west. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But we're going to talk about his rowing background, his experience as coaching at many different levels, which is really impressive, and um, some of his coaching philosophies and his training philosophies, but also uh, how he has managed a large group of athletes, um, very good athletes in COVID-19. So Chris, thank you for joining this interview. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Here. Thanks for doing this. I, I know for, for a lot of programs and, and people in and outside of rowing, like this is, this is a pretty tough time. So I think you guys doing this bracket and, and all these podcasts and stuff just brings kind of a, a little bit of normalcy to sort of craziness situation. So I know us at, at Capital, and I know from talking to other programs and stuff, the, the feeling is like, we, we really appreciate you guys doing this and, and taking the time to put all this on and go through all the scores and all of that. Man, so you, thank you guys. You're giving me chills, Chris. You're giving me chills, man. <laughs> I, I, you know, we, I think you'll learn in this, in this interview that there's a lot of love for this sport that we have. There's an obsession. And, uh, you know, I know that you rode in college and I'll learn more of your background, but yeah. if I had lost my senior year at GW or at Mainland, I would not be where I am right now. Right. So anything that we can do, but let me, let me, let me get into this. Cause I, you know, you got a unique story. So, totally. and, and for the listeners and watchers, this is a beard that you've decided to do. This is, <laughs> this is, you decided this and it's, you look like a homeless man. I'll just, I'll yeah. just say it. Like you're okay totally. with that, right? You're, you're, you're okay. Yeah. I know uh, when my mom watches this, she's going to immediately call me and tell me that I have to cut it. Um, I hope but, she does. Uh, I hope she does. <laughs> As long as the uh, the fiance is is fine with it, I'll, I'm going to keep it. So keep it keep it going. I mean, it it, it is it is a good looking beard. So so tell <laughs> me about you're welcome. Tell me about your first stroke to running um, Capital Crew today. Like walk me through that yeah. period of time. So it, it's actually kind of interesting. So I was a coxswain. Um, if uh, okay, you can believe it. Like I don't know, probably 50 pounds ago, I was, I was a coxswain. So. Um, <laughs> I started at Iona Prep in New Rochelle, oh. back in New York. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm an East Coaster, even though I'm out in California now. Sure. Um, and then uh, one of my really good friends for for a long time since I was probably like four or five years old, and our my mom went to college with one of his dad's best friends. So our families kind of knew each other. Uh, Brendan Murphy. I don't know if you guys know him. Yeah, of and, course we do. Yeah. Yeah. So Brendan Murphy. Uh, found me, I was playing tennis and baseball at the time. And I was in the lobby and he literally picked me up and carried me to the coach's office. And was like, I found you a coxswain. Um, <laughs> that is awesome. So I was like, I don't know anything about this, but I'll, I'll go give it a shot. And then uh, that was halfway through my freshman year and the team at Iona had just started. Oh, um, wow. So yeah, it kind of turned into, into love for, for rowing and, and all of that. And coxed for four years in high school ended up going to Marist College, um, which was an absolute blast. Um, now, what are those years? Not, so, so we yeah. want to be very specific with this. Totally. So what were your years at Iona Prep? 
Uh, so it was 2010 to 14 or yeah, no, sorry. That was college. Jeez. Uh, 2006 to 2010. Um, all right. All right. 06 to 10 was Iona prep. And then, uh, Marist was 10 to 14. So my, Uh, one of my, uh, close friends is TJ McGuire. He wrote. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think he graduated in 07. So yeah, he was in, um, he was in a couple of the alumni books that Cox of the Charles. Yeah. 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 So, so, which is pretty uh, awesome. Really good dude. Yeah. I rode with him a lot at Potomac. Um, him and I have a lot of history together. So I always, I always ask whenever someone says that they wrote at Marist, I have to yeah. ask if they know TJ. Um, yeah. So good. So then, 2010 to 2004, what was what was Marist crew like back then? From in, that, in those four years, it was fun. Yeah. So we we weren't. Uh, I think in the past couple of years with the new head coach and and whole staff there, like Campbell Woods has done a pretty excellent job there. Um, Kind of bringing them back to to what they were before I got there. Yeah. Um, my first two years, it was a little bit more competitive than my junior senior year, and then after I'd graduated, uh, a lot of the guys that started coming in and those recruiting classes started to get a little bit older and, and become a little bit more relevant again. Um, we had a, a coaching change halfway through the career or during my college career, so. After my sophomore year, uh, Sean Clark was the head coach, and then he moved down to uh, Philly, and I know he was a uh, director of Vesper for a little bit, and then he was at St. Joe's for a little bit, and right. kind of bouncing around the, the Philly scene, so I'd stay in touch with Sean sometimes. Um, he was awesome. Really, really loved having him on the team um, and and rowing for him, and that was part of the reason why I ended up going to Marist. I was oh, wow. actually pretty certain I was going to GW to begin oh. with. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just kind of went up for like the accepted students day at Marist, um, told my parents, no, I'm going to GW, I'm, I'm set. And then, uh, went up there and talked to Sean and, and kind of loved it and sent him my deposit the next day. And yeah, I like that. It was, so let me ask you this. So you totally. are, I think you're the first coxswain that we have interviewed. I think you Sweet. are. And yeah, I, I, so there's a question that I have here for other coxswains, like high school coxswains. That, so my question is, what is the recruiting experience going from coxswain in high school to college? Like, what is that like? What are the things that are important for college coaches to know? And uh, what is important for high school kids to know that are coxswains that want to be at the collegiate level? Yeah. Um, so I think the the recruiting, everything's a little bit different than than when I was in in high school, I mean, even, what is it now? It's like 10 years ago. Um, I think like the the times have gotten drastically faster for for rowers in general. And I think um, over the past, I don't know how many years, but I think coaches are getting a lot more involved in in what the coxswains are doing. Um, And I think part of that is is a realization that, hey, it's not just a little guy sitting in this seat or, or girl sitting in the seat, like they actually do have a pretty big impact on, on practice and racing. And um, I know we stress at, at our program and, and at Marin and kind of everywhere I've been, like being a good practice manager first is, is pretty, pretty important. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the things that when college coaches are, are reaching out about coxswains in particular, like it, it's tough because they don't have a score or yeah, yeah. anything like that really. Um, so I'd encourage Cox is to one, make sure you're managing practice really well. 
Um, cause I think when college coaches reach out to your coach in particular, it's, it's a really nice thing when you can say, yeah, he makes my life a lot easier. I think that that goes a wow. pretty long way on the, on the college side. Um, and, uh, we have a, a, we've been lucky that we've had a lot of really good coxswains over the past two years. Um, our top two coxswains last year, uh, one is at, at Oregon state and she was awesome. And then the other one, uh, He's a freshman at, at Syracuse now who's fantastic. And and the two of them watching them run practice, I mean, we we didn't have to tell them anything. They were they were pretty good communicating with each other. And then we're super lucky this year. Um, we had a, a Coxon who'd been on the team for six years, uh, who's going to Cal next year. Um, and then Coxon who actually switched, she was a novice uh, for the novice women last year, and she made the switch to the men's team. Her brother was on our team. Um, she's gone down to San Diego state. And again, it was a pretty similar situation where the, the two of them were able to, um, it was almost like they would anticipate what we were going to do next. So they always had the crew in, in the right position. And oh. part of that is, is having a good relationship with your coach. I mean, uh, Grant and, and Sloan, both the two that we had this year would record pretty much all of their practices and sit down. The two of them would go over tapes or when the guys were lifting or, doing something else that um i was able to take some time away and go sit with them we'd we'd go over practices and and races and um kind of develop a relationship there where we both or all three of us kind of knew what the other one was doing at, at all times and it just that's, made our lives a lot easier that's awesome um, so what i'm yeah. what i'm hearing though is like type a is a really important thing right totally and strong management <laughs> great communication skills yeah. Um, having insight into where you need to be. Right. And that's, yep. you can't teach that. You can't teach like insight into a sport, right. Or like where totally. to be now yeah. as a, as a coxswain yourself for uh, mm -hmm. nine years or eight years, yeah. eight years, are you harder on your coxswains than your, than your athletes? I mean, do you give them more? Pressure? Um, I think no, if you ask them. Yeah, I think. <laughs> okay. Um, and part of that, I, and we every year before the season starts we we have a meeting where we'll we'll kind of lay out expectations for for the year for the rowers the athletes the team in general um talk to them about kind of what what their goals are for the year because i think that that's pretty important that we as a staff are aligned with what they're doing yeah. um or what they're trying to accomplish right if if we're on track a and they just want to come out and and have fun and have a good time like i think we're just going to end up butting heads a lot so we try to be pretty clear and upfront. Um, and, and one of the things is I, I do tell the coxswains pretty, pretty straight up that I'm going to expect a lot of them. Um, and mm -hmm. there are, excuse me, some rules that we, we have, and, and they were implement, implemented by the previous coach that I think were, were awesome. Um, and Ben Heiss is great. And that was part of the reason why I came up to Capitol and he's down at uh, university of San Diego now, which is awesome. Cool. Uh, but he, like the coxswains had to be six feet apart all the time no matter what oh. we were doing. Um, oh. So, and, and that's kind of our, our thing on the men's side is six feet, six feet, six feet. So regardless of where they are on the course, they're always six feet apart. We have um, Casey, the coxswain that was at Oregon state. Now uh, she was awesome and took a ton of notes on where everybody needs to be on our lake, wherever, wherever it may be. Um, oh. And we're super lucky that we get to row on Natoma. 
Um, sure. I mean, it's a beautiful course. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know anywhere else where we got just about 2,500 of probably 12 lanes. And then there's one turn and then another, we say 3K, but it's probably a little bit more than that, um, of a, another straight shot. But there is like an, an island halfway through that you can only go on one side. So she was super diligent about like when you can start the turn to go around the island, like all the landmarkers, where you need to point when you're on the course. Because the it's a, it's a pretty easy place to to be a coxswain but it is kind of deceptive like the dam at the end of the for everybody that comes up to natoma um the dam at the end of the course if you steer off the dam you're gonna go on an angle like the dam okay. is even though it looks straight and on all the course maps it is straight it's not um so these so these coxswains what you've done is you've 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 put a lot of i like that you set expectations you have open yeah. communication you have a lot of expectations for them as well so you put them to higher standards yeah. And then they just know their surroundings. So that's Absolutely. that's really good advice for coxswains going into the next phase of their lives, right? And yeah. for coaches too, to put a lot of emphasis on training their coxswains to be good because like you like you said earlier, as long as they're they're inside the boat, they know they know more of what's going on with their athletes than you do as a coach, Absolutely. right? They can see things, feel things. Now I'm I'm really more interested now that we're like yeah. I'm, I'm hearing your story and I love it. Totally. But you know, you you you've you've coached you, you've like after graduating you've decided coaching yeah. was your career right like that's what you wanted to do eventually like, yeah <laughs> so you you had a stint at harvard right yeah. after maris you, you got to tell me about that because totally. harvard's like i have a love affair okay with harvard so <laughs> tell me like what is it what, what was that experience how did you get involved like why did you do it and then what got you from there to go to the west yeah so i was um kind of goes back to when I was in college. Uh, so after my junior year, um, I was lucky enough to get invited to university games camp. So that was in Boston. Nice. Um, so did that. And that was one of the most fun things I've, I've done. Like we got to go race in Russia and see a ton of different sports and, and meet people from all over, which was really, really cool. Um, and then, uh, so Bruce Smith, who was the director of CRI sure. at the time. And, uh, Matt Lair and Kane, I don't remember his last name because we always just called him Kane. Um, we're at CRI and I think Kane's still there. Um, and they were sort of running the, the team that summer and it was us and the men's lightweight eight, uh, training together, which was a ton of fun. Um, so stayed in contact with those guys. And right after I graduated, they asked me if I wanted to go to the IRL in Boston. And I was like, no, I'm going to I'm done rowing, going to go work in finance. So I went and worked for an investment bank for like eight months. And oh, wow. they kept asking me if I wanted to do it, wanted to do it, wanted to do it. And I was like, all right, sure, I'm going to do this. And a, a lot of that was um, my dad was, uh, we were talking and he was telling me like, hey, if this is something you're passionate about, go give it a shot now. I was 22. Um, and he's like, if you go and it's not what you think like you know let's go back to finance he's like you're probably not going to want to start rowing or start a coaching career and be an assistant and work your way up and volunteer and all that stuff when you're in your 40s yeah, um, right. so part of it I was I was in Boston doing the IRL camp and uh uh part of that is you have to do uh practical somewhere and, and volunteer and and do all of that so I um was super fortunate and, and got in contact with the Harvard lightweights and went and volunteered there for a year with uh, 
it was Mikhail Bartman, who's at Temple now, and Ian Accomando, who's still uh, still at Harvard as the men's assistant coach. So it was it was fun. It was a lot. I learned a ton, um, not just coaching, but just from sitting in the office with those guys and and Charlie Button, Pat LePage, and uh, Mikhail Bartman, and uh, that was that was the staff at the time. And uh, Billy was there also, who's now the head coach of the lightweights. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was a lot of fun and, and talking to Mikhail about his experiences in, in the Netherlands. And I mean, he's three-time Olympic medalist, like, which is pretty incredible. And, um, you, 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 I'm, I'm yeah. writing down the names of these people. You have been around some of the best coaches in our sport, which like, is, uh, I've been super, super fortunate, um, I mean, in that yeah. regard. Yeah, you don't not not a lot of people get that chance. You know what I mean? Like no, and I get a I, chance to sit in a room with them. Yeah, for days or hours at, at a time. Absolutely. Uh, so so in that so the, at the IRL yeah. and at Harvard, at what point did you say I got to explore this coaching thing? I I don't want to do finance. I just need to do this. <laughs> um. So when I got up there, I still kind of so I got up there at the beginning of June. Um, so before everything started and um, started hanging out at CRI a bit and working some of the summer camps and, and things, just trying to get involved. And uh, one of my roommates at the time, he's now an assistant at Princeton, uh, Joe Gartland, who's yeah. I'm still really close with and we talk all the time, but he was uh, kind of just talking to him about it. And he'd been around a, a, a lot, like he was coaching BBN and then he was at Williams and He'd done a ton in, in his own rowing career at, in high school and Syracuse BU. Um, but it was, uh, I think talking to him a lot just made me realize like, yeah, this is something I, I kind of want to do. Mm-hmm. And then going through the summer, it, it was fine. And we were just doing a lot of summer camps and all of that. And then the season started up at Harvard and that was good. And I think the, the kind of uh, turning point for me was really our winter training trip down in Sarasota. Um, so we were down there with all the returning varsity guys and then we, all the recruits and then top like eight or so walk-ons. Um, so the, the way it worked, at least when I was there was we, we had a pretty big team in the fall and Ian ran all the walk-ons and the freshmen, which he does a fantastic job with. And then, um, I was kind of with like the 3B, 4B ish group for the fall. Um, and then when we got down to Sarasota, just hanging out with those guys and, and being around the team again, like really being around the team all the yeah. time. Um, it was just cool. And we, we were at Nathan Benderson for a bit and we did all our selection there. And then we were at uh, Manatee Park, which was yeah, a pretty know. cool spot. Um, and again, just like hanging out with, mainly with like Ian and Pat um and talking to those guys about why they're coaching and how much they enjoy it and and their own um both rowing and coaching careers i was like yeah this is definitely something i could i could see myself doing and i'm gonna kind of run with this you know that that's really uh that's really powerful um so you so the moral there is that you just spent time asking the right questions right asking the questions of these of these coaches that have been doing it for most of their lives and there was just something in their response that that said to you in your heart and your head that I this is it I got to do this is that is that Absolutely. accurate 
Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it, it's, I think, um, a, a lot of times coaches that have a, a ton of experience kind of have this I'm trying to find the right, right word kind of aura around them where it's sort of intimidating to talk to them, but yeah, like, you're right. They're, they're all people and they all love rowing. So I think like talking to them about rowing and why they do it and all that stuff. I mean, every, you guys know, like we talk about stuff for hours. So it's, you know, it's, it's funny you say aura. So, so like I'm a boat builder and yeah, I sell boats for a living and I fix boats for a living. But if Mike Tatey is walking down the street, I am <laughs> immediately uncomfortable. Like, I'm like, I don't even know what to say to this guy. Like party, like wants to run up and shake his hand and, and give him a hug and say, you're, you're the greatest. Or I want to go to Gladstone and say, I just want to just sit down next to you, my man, because I, you know, so I get it. That's a really good observation that you have, right? That these great coaches that we have looked up to as young guys or young women for years, it's hard to ask them questions like, Hey, um, you know, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Can you give me some pointers? Yeah. And that, that that's something that um, Ben and I had talked about right when I first got up here and he was, when he started coaching, he was at UC Irvine and, and they just started and they've become a pretty awesome club team. Um, but he actually reached out when he first started to Steve Gladstone because he, he looks up to Steve a ton and he's like, yeah. Hey, I'm just getting started in coaching. Like, would you mind if I picked your brain? And and Steve was, by all accounts, and talking to Ben, Steve was awesome. Gave him his phone number. They talked for like an hour and a half. And I think a lot of these coaches that are are somewhat intimidating in a way, mm-hmm. um, we we've kind of built that up in our heads. So I think like if this is something you want to do, don't don't be afraid to talk to people because I think all of all of the the coaches are are super willing to to reach out to anybody that's trying to get into the sport. Right? We're all at the end of the day, trying to do the same thing and, and bring rowing to as many people as possible and get it mainstream yes. and, and have fun racing. Right. So if, if I think a lot of these coaches are, are super willing to pass along knowledge and, and stuff that they've learned along the way, mistakes they've made and all of that stuff and, and pass it along to the younger generation, even, even some of the, the rowers, like I would encourage people to, to talk to coaches that maybe you look up to, or you feel like won't, won't want to talk to me. They, in, in my experience, everybody in the rowing world's been been pretty nice and and pretty forthcoming with with information and willing to help out wherever possible. You know, it's because it's it's not like the NFL where there's tens of millions of dollars on the line. Right. Right? Like we're we're, we're, we're making we're making ends meet most of the time, and like <laughs> we're just trying to just really just get through the day and like get yeah. through a good weekend on the regatta. Now, I, I you know, I, okay, so you're 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 at Harvard, yeah, and then you say all right, I'm going to Marin. So let's, let's talk about one, how you found that job. Yeah. What was that um, process like? And then why Marin? So why, why go totally. from East to West? Um, I honestly had no idea that I've, I wanted to go into junior rowing. I thought like, okay, I'm going to be in college. Like this is, this is the thing I want to do. College mm-hmm. rowing. Awesome. Like everybody's fast. It's college. I'm at Harvard. This is great. Um, after the year happened, um, McKeel ended up leaving, um, yeah. and he went to, to port. So didn't exactly know what was going on with that situation. And I was a volunteer. So I was like, I have no idea what's going to happen with this. Um, and I saw the Marin job was posted on road to K. So I reached out to Sandy, sent over my resume and, and, um, cover letter and all that stuff. And, and Sandy gave me a call and, and we were talking for a bit on the East coast and, 
I met her at Mercer because Nationals were there that year. So drove over to Mercer, met Sandy, and and we talked for a little bit and uh, talked to her coxswain because they'd never been to Mercer, and that was oh. where I had my championship every year. Yeah. So just kind of got talking about what to expect, where the wind is, all, all of that stuff. Um, and then Sandy actually had offered me a job to go out and be the women's assistant coach. Um, okay. So planning on going out there. It's like, okay, I don't never coached girls before, never coxed girls before, but sure, it's, it's Marin, right? So, yeah. um, and that was, that was kind of the thing that brought me to the West Coast. I was like, all right, if I'm going to get into junior rowing, like Marin's a pretty good spot. Um, Sandy, everybody knows who Sandy is and, and she's been awesome and we're still in touch and maybe talked a couple of days ago. Um, and yeah, so then I was planning on moving out from, we were living in Princeton at the time and I think like it's the day, two days before my birthday in August, she had called me and she asked if I would be interested in coaching the boys uh assistant coach for the boys dustin had had left and he went to los gatos and then was at cal um so i said yeah that was that'd be awesome and asked when they started and she said four days ago so packed <laughs> up and and drove out to marin so oh, you drove you just yeah you just yeah I drove. drove so I, I wanted my car out there and uh my now fiance she wanted to bring her single out so loaded up the single and and drove across the country what kind so, of what kind of car and how long did it take you to do that? Uh, I had at the time I had a Challenger, yes. and yes. four days. <laughs> so I have driven across the country nine times, I think, with a truck and trailer. Really? Yeah, no, it like I got stories, man. I've done one hundred fifty thousand miles with a truck and trailer. <laughs> it's it's disgusting. That sucks. Uh, I have driven to Chicago and back over sixty times. Wow. Yeah, no, CJ will tell you, like, it's it's obnoxious. But uh, it's interesting. I always like to ask that question. There you go. that's a miserable yeah, four days. A little black oh, box mug for you. Chicago. Um, that's an interesting four days. So was was Andrew Lennox at that program at the time? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so cool. Andrew Andrew was the the head coach when I, when I got out there. Okay, and then you jumped into his position. Is that right? Yeah, it was um, after Thanksgiving at – don't know exactly what happened, but I know he ended up wanting to, to go back to New York. Yeah. Um, so I don't I know. Lived, if it was... I lived with his family. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So I wanted to be, so he rode with me at GW and I wanted to be a TV anchor man. Like you wouldn't believe. And <laughs> I can see that. I a, yeah. Thank you. I got a job at ABC television in Pittsburgh, New York. And his mom said, oh, sweet. you know what, why don't you just live with us? Like we think you're cool and uh, we appreciate you. So I was there for like nine months. I coached Pittsburgh High School. It failed miserably. Awesome. <laughs> um, and uh, Andrew and I go way back. So we go back since 2005. He's, he's oh, a, cool. He's a, he has a special place in my heart. Um, so, okay, so Marin, so you yep. you drive across the country. You have a fiancé. You, you throw a damn boat on the roof of your car. And uh, you're there for about two years. And now, now we're here. We're at Capitol, right? Yep. So. What, okay, so I, I get the, I get you. You know, you're on road 2K. You find this position. How do you get from Marin to Capital? What, what what's that like? Yeah, so that one um, that was interesting. So I after Andrew left, I was the interim head coach, um, and I know Sandy was, and and we've kind of talked about it. Like I was 25 at the time, Jeez. and I know she kind of wanted 
somebody with more experience in there. I'd been coaching for three years. Right. Yeah. And, and one was volunteer, one was an assistant and, and we did pretty well. And then interim head coach, they, we did fine um, for, for what we had. And like, um, I mean, we got fourth that year, which uh, yeah. we got fourth in the four at nationals, which was good. Um, yeah, yeah. By Marin standards, maybe not fantastic, but it was good. Um, <laughs> so good <laughs> I know she was looking for somebody with, with a little bit more experience and, and we had talked about it and uh, Ben, who was the head coach of capital at the time. And, and I had gotten fairly close over the, over the years. And then uh, over the summer, Joe uh, was helping out at, at Oakland and running their summer camp. So it was like Oakland, Marin, SI, Sarah, like all, all the guys kind of in the Bay area we came together, raced to club nationals. Um, nice. So it was myself, Joe and Jovan, who's now the associate head coach of the boys at um, Oakland. So uh, super, super fun summer. But when we were at club nationals, Ben had called me and we got to talking about what I was doing next year. And I wasn't super sure at the time if I was going to stay at Marin or not. Um, and he, one of the things that he had, said to me and I'll, I'll remember this forever but he was like hey why don't we like instead of just racing each other try to team up and beat everybody and i was Ooh. like okay Ooh. and and then he's like yeah i mean we got they had pretty good fleet at the time um which we, we've kind of revamped recently which is is awesome and a lot of that was ben just hustling and grinding and and trying to get boats in and uh got an awesome fleet deal with best bowling now and they've helped us out a ton. Uh, yep. but like he told us, we we've got everything set up. We got the water. If we lose, it's our fault. And I was like, okay, that's a pretty cool challenge. So, um, yeah, head up there and, and do that. Um, and then that year, so 18, 19, super fun, really awesome group of guys. Ben and I got along super, super well. Um, and yeah, he ended up, sitting in the office uh over the summer and we were kind of talking about the next year and he got a call from university of san diego um kind of out of the blue asking if he'd want to go down there and he had a bunch of capital athletes that were down there um yep. that had told the ad to reach out to him he said no comes to august they came back again and they're like hey we really want to get you down here and he ended up heading out and kind of fell into this so it's, it's wow. been fun so yeah. gee so you're you're well, it sucks. COVID-19 has stopped your yeah. spring from actually happening. So you're totally. first real time. Yeah. Uh, how have you coped with that? How have you just, I, I know you accepted it, but like, how have you coped with it so far? Yeah, it was, um, it's been tough. I think uh, I just, so this group in particular um, was a pretty special group, like our, our guys. And I, I think we we're going to have a pretty awesome season. We had a, a really good fall. Um, which I know doesn't really translate to the spring necessarily all the time, but I mean, they head uh, of the Charles, they won the four, set the course record. Head of the American, we set the course record. Oh, hold on, hold on, um, hold on, hold on. Let 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 let's rewind. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I, okay. All right. I know junior rowing. I think yeah. better than anybody on the planet. And you're telling me that you had your four guys break the course record this past fall at the Charles. Yeah. And you're saying, I don't know if that's going to translate very well to spring racing. Well, it's a, it's a four and an eight. Like, I don't it, give a shit. Right? I don't care. <laughs> like, you have, you have, I, all right. All I'm going to say is it would have translated. I'm trying very to well. be humble. <laughs> I don't want I'm, you to I'm be told humble. all the time that I'm too cocky. So I'm, I'm trying to 
trying we're to talk about that in a second. Yeah. I, I got something we want to talk about here. In totally. Second. But you have, so how old are these guys that, that, that broke the course record at the Charles? Um, so we had uh, three seniors and a junior and the coxswain was a senior. He's going to Cal. Now, um, are so, these four guys racing in our NCAA type bracket? Three of them are. Three of them are. Wow. Three of them are. Uh, so our captain, Louis Gallia, he's a uh, senior. He stroked it. Uh, this guy, Brett Holt, who's going to Cal, he's actually on the, the bracket challenge team also. So he's a first-year varsity guy. Uh, he had started oh. running last year. Uh, really special kid. Great athlete. Um, really, really good teammate. Um, yeah. It's so funny. I mean, he's – Brett's a big dude. He's 6'7", 210. Like, uh, awesome kid. Oh. Uh, like – great rower and he was a soccer player i don't know how he was a soccer player he's, he's <laughs> and he was not a goalie so he's a wow. he's a big big kid really fit kid uh but he's like really really close with uh one of the guys on our team and i know he'll, he'll be excited that i mentioned him hudson cole um who is a freshman and he's maybe five eight and like 130 soaking wet and the like and that's just kind of brett as as a person like he would and and lewis too like hudson's toucan and the two of them are like coxing this little freshman on our team who's got the best attitude in the world funniest kid <laughs> but i mean he's 14 he's yeah. 14 and he's 5'8 yeah. and and sure. our two huge guys are are there coxing him and helping him out and talking to him at school driving him to practice all sorts of stuff oh. so like which is which is really awesome and I, I think that says a lot about the guys that we had this year that they're uh, really, really about the team. Well, take, um, so, take some credit. Yeah. Take some credit where credit's due. A lot of that comes in the coach, right? So establishing that. that environment. I, I, you, you need. I mean, you're young enough, and you are younger than me, but you're young enough <laughs> to know that. Like, don't don't be naive to that. Know that what you're creating and the other coaches with your program. It's not just you, right? Like, no, definitely not. Coach. But everybody is building that environment, that team, and that's a, a, a very powerful uh, place to be, right? Yeah. Now, with your, think, with, your with, with your guys, like how deep is your program? Uh, like like how, how many guys how, do we have? I mean, how many athletes are on the squad? So the varsity team we had this spring, we had 48, including coxswains. Um, yeah. Which I think is a pretty good number. Um, so everybody's here. I mean, I think if everybody was here, we could get just about five eights on the water which was, was pretty awesome. And now um, this is your full-time job, right? This is, this is yeah. what you do. This is your yep. career. Do you think that now that you've had a taste of college, high yeah. school, do you, do you want to stay in this world or do you want to go into a different realm of rowing? Um, that's a tough one. And, and I know the guys all the time think I'm, I'm going to leave. And for everybody watching, I'm not. I'm coming back next year. So <laughs> just for everybody's... Uh, everybody's knowledge um yeah it's i think it's super different and and part of why i, I like junior rowing and I, I feel like i'm i'm gonna stay for a while it's like the uh the impact you have on the athletes not just necessarily in in rowing but kind of outside I, I think is is a pretty unique situation and i think once when you're in college at least in, in my experience and granted i was only there for a year so i no, there's a lot of people that can speak to this better than I can. Mm -hmm. um, but you're, you're getting in athletes a lot that are established. And I think it's, it's a not saying at all, it's easier. It's a different challenge, right? You're, you're 
trying to fine tune guys that have a ton of experience that are good athletes and um, get them to sort of reach their potential, whether they reached in high school or not. Um, where I think in, in high school and, and junior rowing in general, it's, it's a lot of developing young athletes and, and setting them up for a future, not just in the sport, but kind of in life. And that's something that I think that I enjoy doing. And I think, I think it's a pretty special experience. So I don't mm. really see myself jumping to, to college anytime soon. There was but, a, a previous podcast that I had done with a prominent coach in the DC area that I got in an argument with when I said, you know, collegiate is the peak of coaching. And he says, are you kidding me? Like, no, you're wrong. Like I can build a high school program and make them just as fast or the athletes are no different. They're just younger. Um, so having now spent the last six months rethinking that, yeah. um, the fact, the, the reoccurring theme with high school coaches is what you just said. It's, they enjoy more of developing the young athletes to be great right. adults and great people. And if you want to make fine tune your thing and you want to make speed the, your focus, go for it. Go go to the national team. Go to the collegiate yeah, level. Absolutely. But if you want to impact kids on a greater level, be a high school coach. And and that's that's really powerful. I'm glad to hear that. Now we we are gonna we're gonna close with we're gonna round this thing out with your philosophy of coaching, trash talking, and. Uh, <laughs> camaraderie. So I bring this up yeah. because you you started something that we were trying to do, right? You trash talk someone on social media about their program. I want to kind of get your philosophy on how coaches should interact on what we should be doing as as a as a as a group of coaches but also as an industry, you know? Give right. me your philosophy and I, and I want to hear your ego come through. It's okay. Like people are going <laughs> to like talk to me about that. What do you, what do you what are you looking to achieve here? Um, I just kind of want to have fun, right? Like th fun. this is fun in general rowing. I, I think it's ends up being a lot of times this, this kind of stressful thing. And we're, we're all like sort of pitted against each other and watching coaches interact on race day. It's kind of funny, like how it's obnoxious. Right? And like, like, they don't want to talk yeah. to each other. Like, come no, on. And everybody's like kind of secretive about what they're doing. And like, they have, they have yeah. a special thing going on. Right. Like, and it's, I don't know. It's not the case. We're all doing the same thing. There's not a ton of secrets in the sport, right? Yeah, everybody's got their own training plan and their philosophy and their stroke and all that stuff. But like, we're all working hard. We're all doing the same thing. And then we go out on race day and see what we did, right? Like, they and and part of that and this comes from again from talking to Joe a lot. Like, race day is a, an opportunity to show what we've done, right? It's not like we're coming out and trying to do something special. So we're all doing that and we're putting our cards on the table and saying, Hey, this is what we got. What do you guys have? And I, and I think that's sometimes gets missed. Like at the end of the day, it's, it's high school rowing and I'm not trying to downplay it, but like, it's not like we're trying to cure COVID, right? Like we can have fun with it and get into it a little bit. And, and we should be like, I don't know. I, I just, I think there, there's gonna, too much gonna, like uppityness in, in rowing in general. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to expand on this one. So, yeah. um, you know, it's high school rowing, right? Totally. So I think there's a there's a period of time when in the last probably decade that coaches have created so much anxiety around winning that yeah. you've now caused athletes to be anxious and uncomfortable. Absolutely. Right? Like I had a coach. So I rowed in high school in 99 to 2004. Like th those four or five years is when I was rowing at, in my youth. 
my coaches, I will not name names, would get plastered <laughs> drunk on Saturday nights. They would all joke around. They would laugh their asses off if we won or lost. And it did not matter. And we knew that environment, right? We were comfortable with it. We created our own pressures, right? I wanted to be in the varsity eight. I wanted to win a national championship. But at no point were they pressuring us, like, you got to do this, you got to beat that, and like hiding that they were doing a one, an 84, you know, spread instead of an 83.5. You know, like that kind of stupid shit that a lot of coaches tend to like hold behind a curtain. Yeah. So there was a period, and I don't know when it started or what it was, but we now see athletes much differently than they were back 10, 15 years ago. And I actually think that it starts with some of the coaching. And I appreciate that you want to bring that camaraderie back, right? I hate going to a and not going to talk to a buddy of mine. Like I had friends that I rode with in college that I coached against and we wouldn't talk at regattas because, you know, we were enemies. And I think that is just, I think that's just dumb. Right. I mean, I think you. Yeah, agree. I, I think a, a lot of that is comes from uh, this kind of ego that I think everybody has as coaches where it's like and, and I, I, when I when I say like it's high school rowing, I, I, I don't mean that it's, it's not important. And I want to win like more than anybody. I, I'm super, super competitive. Yes. But it, I, it's about the kids. Right. Like it, it's not about us as coaches, like regardless of, of what happens. and um, at the end of the day, like it's still going to be a coach. Right. So we win or lose, like that's on me. Um, and, and the plan that we've set up and, and all that stuff. But I think allowing, especially in, in high school, like allowing high schoolers to be high schoolers and have fun in what they're doing. I think that kind of environment, um, leads to more success, right? If you have people coming down every day and they're, they're stressed out and worried about what they're doing and, and all of that stuff, they're, not going to perform to the level that you're expecting. So if you can allow them to come down and it's high school boys, right? I mean, they're 16 to 18 and they're going to be goofy and, and silly and all of that and allowing them the opportunity to do that and have fun in the environment, but know when to switch it on, right? Like when we're on the water and it's go time, like it's, it's go time. Um, but when they're coming down before practice and they're goofing around when they're stretching or they're talking and doing their dynamic warm up and having fun and joking around, like that's totally fine. Um, and I think that's for me been a, been a pretty big switch, um, where I, when I came into the sport and, and college and the U23 stuff and all of that, like it's, it's just this level of professionalism and, and seriousness through it. And I think trying to replicate that at a high school level doesn't necessarily lead to success. And I think a lot of that comes from knowing your athletes, right. It's and knowing how they perform. Yeah. There's a difference between grab assing. Totally. And having fun, right? Yeah. And, I, and, and, and you're getting at that, right? So I don't think that kids should be throwing footballs and fucking skateboarding at a regatta, <laughs> right. Right? right? And like running around and hitting each other. But there is a level of just release that you have to have. You, you, you can't be wound up the whole time. You're right. No. It is high school rowing. High school rowing was the most important time of my life. Same. Yeah, it was awesome. Same. It was the best. Like it was the yeah. best four years of my rowing experience. But I had fun. I joked, I kid, I like, right. I cracked jokes at other people. The coaches didn't make it so seriously. And we were national champions. Like we yeah. had medaled at SRAs at Stotesbury. So I, I, I get that. Now I want to, I want to close this off. This has been totally. um, a lot of fun. I really hope that you I appreciate it. this. Yeah, no, it's been great. We, 
I, I, I think CJ, CJ knows where I'm going with this. So we always uh -oh. name, so now this is season two, we name the podcast based on silly things that you or the other okay. people say. Yeah. I don't want to say we're not trying to cure COVID. Like, I think that's kind of like, <laughs> it's high school rowing and I don't want to use that because that demeans high school rowing. But you right. said, we're not trying to cure COVID. That could be a really good title too. <laughs> I love uh, it. This, this podcast. So, um, you know, I, I have had, Chris, I have had a lot of fun doing this. I hope I you have. It. Yeah. Good luck to your team in our Thank tournament. You. Um, we have some announcements to make and I'm going to say it now because uh -oh. we're in, in eight minutes, we have another meeting. We're going international with this. Okay. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. Your team is going to qualify to race internationally in the same bracket style competition against Asia, Europe, New Zealand. That's awesome. Okay. So get, get the guys, get the guys excited. A little totally. Bit, okay. Yeah. I've, uh, I've been meeting with the, with the whole team at three 30. So on, on zoom. So I'll just, I'll just let lay, lay it down and yeah. say, guys, guess what? I got the inside scoop. We're going international. All right. Sweet. No, so, that's exciting. They'll be, they'll be pumped about that. I think they will too. And, and there's more prizes to be made and everything. So um, I hope you've enjoyed watching and listening to the Rower's Choice podcast with Chris Leonard of Capital Crew. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Thanks. Thanks awesome. so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. This is the Rower's Choice podcast. Rower's Choice is made up of finish line shell repair, Resolute Racing Shells, and Sykes USA.